I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll tell you what I think. What's that you're saying? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. Shh. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. Well, I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Shut Up and Listen. And today we have a really kick-ass female, um, Edin Dranger. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the I like the getting show. the kick-ass compliment. That's cool. Um, she is a brilliant comedian, um, is on Twitter, and uh, has her own podcast, if you want to plug that right now. Yeah, Failing Up. Failing Up. We talk to people about how their failures led to successes, which is, which is such a, a, we have so much to talk about. We have so much to talk about. Um, so if you're not following her, um, follow her now on, on Twitter. It's E D E N underscore E A T S. Yes. Because you're also quite the foodie and a chef. Yeah. And you can also, if you just put my name and then my last name, it just pops up. Um, yeah, pretty, I'm the, I'm the only one. (laughs) <laughs> luckily Twitter was like, oh, we're going to verify that <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> so I'm the only one with, the, with the, the weird last name of Dranger. No, I, I love it. Did Which you... is like Dr. Inger without the period. Uh, and I was going to say, did you get, uh, I got made fun of a lot when I was a kid. Did you get made fun of like with your last name? No, not my last name. Um, funny enough, it, like people didn't think of my last name was that funny, but people, my first name was kind of weird. Um, it was just just strange like i just really wanted to be like a stephanie or like a tiffany or something like really american yeah very basic oh god now i'm gonna get so much shit for saying (laughs) stephanie and tiffany are basic names well no i know now i'm gonna get all these like twitter people being like what we have some girl some stephanie girl is gonna gonna be mad at me (laughs) well it's not their fault actually it's your parents fault and you can't you can't please everybody is what i find yeah yeah I mean, I can barely please myself. Right. <laughs> I try every day in the shower. I know it's 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 a rough road, but um but there's a GPS for it. <laughs> that is true. Um so, how are you doing? We are in February. Right. We're, we're not we're not even like that early Feb. We're like mid-February at this point. I know. That's uh that's so nuts to me. Like it's I feel like it's still November. It's been November for like <laughs> I know. Ever. It's I been know. November for eight years. <laughs> I, I know. I know. And now it's, it, it, it really is, you know, it's like BC, AD. It's like BT. I know, right? AT. Isn't that crazy? That's, it's just so nuts. I cannot believe like this time last year, every, like we could have been just talking about I don't know what was it whatever whatever interesting thing was happening whatever whoever like we're probably talking about Oscars like now no one cares no one cares about the mundane stuff anymore yeah I know and I just saw that UTA today did something great where they're um not going to have their Oscar party and they're going to donate all of their money to the ACLU that's great which is great it's fabulous yeah 
um, there's our our uh, co-host, our co-host Tagalong. I feel like Tagalong is going to be the equivalent to Elvis on the My Favorite Murder podcast. Oh, okay, I was going to say he's going to be like your Robin to like the Howard Stern like show no no do you ever listen to my favorite murder i've listened to like two oh i'm bad God. the funny thing is we had like i had the the guy that like produces them on our show so i should know it's such an incredible show it's such <laughs> here we are on a podcast talking about other podcasts <laughs> well here but here's here's a great thing like this this brings up i think like a really good point right where let's get right into it women supporting women mm-hmm. right yeah, um where Oh God, I'm like, please forgive me for like, just, I'm just learning how to become a sound engineer people. It's a, it's, you didn't go to school for it. I, it's hard. I didn't, I didn't. I, I have a high school education. I mean, this is, this is like next level stuff. Like people get master's degrees in sound engineering. So you're way ahead of me. Well, I, I'm just a dumb actor. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, obviously. Uh. <laughs> no, but you know, women supporting women, yeah. right? No, it's so, so important right now. It, it, it's, it's important all the time. No, of course. It's like, I was telling someone this the other day. They're like, oh, I donated to ACLU. Um, so I can't donate to these other charities that I usually donate to. And I'm like, no, you donate a little to everything that you used to do. Now we just have to step up our game and not like we're not going to forget about, oh, our breast cancer charities or all these other really important charities. We're just going to divide it up or give what we can and give more or work harder to support them. We just have to make it more conscious of it. Um, that's all. So it, we just have to make the extra effort to support women and, you know, people of color and all those people affected by, um, I guess, AT. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to say his name. 45. Yeah. That's what we call him. 45. Yeah. It. That's what we call it. We call it 45. Um, th- that's actually a good segue um, because I know that you had an experience where you had gotten tested for mm-hmm. the breast cancer gene mm-hmm. and you um, came back positive with an 87% and then you chose to have a double mastectomy, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing as Angie and Jolie, like to the T, same gene. We have the same talent, obviously. She's uh, a trendsetter. She is a trendsetter. <laughs> uh, I look exactly like her. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so... Um, it was a preventative double mastectomy. Yeah. And are you sick of talking about this? No, not at all. I, I'm, I wrote a pilot about it, hopefully making it into a TV show that I'm re it's been in rewriting for a few um, months now, but right now it's also in the stages where I'm getting it to producers. So I'm still all in it probably will be forever as long as it gets, you know, it's important and it's, um, hopefully we'll save lives until it's no longer. Well, yeah, for sure. And did you, so did you go to a special, like, DNA? You can. Like, you can go to what they call a geneticist yeah. or a genetic counselor. Um, I honestly just went to my mom's former oncologist and was like, because she basically, she's kind of famous. In fact, uh, like, they did a Sex and the City episode, I think, where... Um, Samantha had breast cancer and she had a really hard time finding an appointment, right? And they kind of based it off this woman and they actually called her by the, her name. Like, in this show, they called her Dr. McAndrew and her real name is, is Dr. McAndrew. <laughs> so 
so they based it off her. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> Because she's done, like, a ton of celebrities. Like, she's done, like, Christina Applegate and Sheryl Crow and, um, you know. So I went to her because she knew my mom. She knew my mom before I was even born. Wow. So she knew me since I was a baby. She, I remember when my mom died when I was 13. She, was, she had me on the phone and kind of explained to me what was going on. So I went to her when I was, like, 23. Um, about to turn 24. No, I was 24. And... Um, I was like, hey, my dad just died of brain cancer, and my mom's been, you know, dead for a while. And, um, you know, she got breast cancer when she was 37. That's pretty young. I'm really scared I have this gene. And Angelina Jolie just came out with um, that she had the gene. So um, she was the one who told me to uh, get the test, and I did it in her office. So I didn't go to a genetic counselor or anything. I just went straight to the doctor. Um, and, in fact, most gynecologists uh, suggest it. And you can get it done in any gynecologist's office if you say, like, you know. Um, th- I mean, they usually suggest it if, th- if you have had people in your family that have had it at a young age um, or men in your family that have had prostate cancer at a young age because people forget that it's not like uh, it's not like a only women's thing. Men have the same chance of getting it as women. And if you're a man that has the gene, you have a higher chance of getting prostate cancer and breast cancer, which is... I give like a 12% chance and it's actually even more deadly in guys because you're not checking for it. Like every time you go to the gynecologist, at least for me, she's always checking my boobs or like it's kind of routine for women to do that and to get mammograms. Guys like never have, never think about it. So whenever they do find breast cancer, it's usually at a very late stage. So, um, and that's usually harder to treat. Okay. Um, so it's very dangerous in men too. And if you're a guy and you have children, you could very well pass it to your children. Um, although it's not like an STD, so don't like freak out. It's not, you know, not HIV or anything like that. It's just a gene that mutates a little differently and there's definitely preventative measures you can do. And in fact, like, I don't know if I'm going to do this, not ready to have kids, but you could actually, if you're a woman and you have the gene, you can actually harvest your eggs and they can check the DNA of your eggs to see which one have the gene and which one don't, because not all your eggs have it. So, th- and they basically like whip out the ones that have it and leave you with the ones that do. And if you want to get pregnant, they will keep the ones that don't have the gene, so you can have a baby without it. Wow. <laughs> but you have to hope that the guy you're like <laughs> or the who's giving you the sperm doesn't have it either. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And the, the first thing that makes me think of is, A, that's probably insanely expensive. Yeah, it's super expensive. Like, you have to be Angelina Jolie to do this. And, yeah. uh, wow. Yeah, isn't it crazy? I mean, like, I don't know, my friend just did it. He, she just got married a couple years ago. And when I first got the surgery, I met her, and she, had, she wasn't married at the time. She didn't even meet the guy at the time, and she told me she was doing it for when the time was right. Um, and she wasn't like super rich or anything. So I really wondered what she, how she afforded that. Um, cause it's like, like all fertility treatments are just so expensive. Like I just, um, like crazy. Like I don't understand. I don't understand why they like, why health insurance doesn't help cover that too. I mean, it's <laughs> maybe under a- <laughs> HRC, but you know, it, it, I mean, health insurance doesn't cover 
anything. Yeah. I and mean, God forbid you have a pre-existing condition. Oh, yeah. And it's it's insane to me that we are so backwards as a country, you know, um, and how we treat the um, citizens of this country when it comes to being able to afford basic health, um, preventative health. And it's, and I find that, you know, the, the GOP and the Republicans are not pro-life. They're Mm. pro-fetus. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. Yeah. Like that's it. After you are, after you are out of the safety of the womb, you can get shot. You're on your own. Mm -hmm. Like you're on your own. Um, it's it's absolutely insane, and it also reminds me that I do need to go to the gynecologist. <laughs> I I don't have a guy. I don't do you have to go to mine. I will, Mine's great. Well, I love her so much that like I willingly when something is wrong, I like going to her because she because I'm neurotic and I always think I'm dying. Okay, so she for some reason has this very calming effect, and I love it. And I also like that she doesn't judge me in my sex life. Because I, I remember when I first went to the gynecologist when I was younger, I was like, oh, they're going to judge me and all this stuff. But like, and she's just like so cool. And when she asks me what I'm doing and all this stuff, she's like, yeah, go get them, girl. And she's just like awesome. Like she's, she, she also like, um, she just got divorced a few years ago. She, so she tells me about the guys she's dating, which is kind of interesting. And um, she's just so awesome. She's very chill. She's um I want to say on the youngish side because my gynecologist before her was great, but much older and she retired. So, um, so I went to her, to my new one, which who I actually think is better than my old one. Um, but she's so awesome. And, um, I, I, that's another thing that I'm so thankful for. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's great that I even have a doctor who is good and I can trust and I can get an appointment if I need it. And, I know if I go to her, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna be like, oh, what do I do? I'm. I'm they're not gonna not treat me. Like, I'm very thankful for that. But because there's some people that just like, if there's a problem, they're kind of they they like. I know so many people that will not go to the doctor because they don't want to pay. And I remember I went to a party once where I was doing stand up somewhere, and someone collapsed, and I was like, well, we should call the ambulance. And then his girlfriend was like, no, no, he doesn't have health insurance. And I was like, what? That's insane. And I was like, I'm like, just take my card or something. Like, you know, um, it's it's so nuts. Like, and backwards. And I cannot believe, like, if you were in France, you'd be fine. Oh, yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I want to get sick in France. <laughs> sick in France. Sick in Canada. Yeah. Sick anywhere but here. But here. here. <laughs> yeah. It's, anywhere but here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean... <clears throat> My my ex from years ago had gotten hit by a car while we were riding bikes down the streets of New York. It was completely just Sunday day, summertime, so the streets are virtually empty. And this car literally came out of nowhere. Right. And she just went all the way up <gasps> and smashed down. I can't believe she's alive. I can't believe that she's alive either. It's... Um, no, it doesn't suck that she's alive. <laughs> what does, no, no, I said no, that's nuts. Oh, I thought you said that sucks. No. 
<laughs> not at all. I was like, um, that's so crazy <laughs> that she's alive. This sounds like a stunt from a movie. I know, but here's like, the thing. This is Mission Impossible. So I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out because it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. And somebody called 911 and the ambulance came and they were checking her out and they were like, we should take you to the hospital, blah, 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 blah. But then like one of the EMT dudes was like, listen, this is going to cost you like $900 just for like a ride 10 blocks down. She was like on the pavement though, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, but then by that time, like she was standing and like. I can't she stood. That is just mind boggling. I mean, like it was like a miracle of miracles. Um, But yeah, the EMT dude was just like, listen, this is going to cost you about 900 bucks. No. So like literally just like take a cab. The 10, the 10 blocks. But like that's crazy. Spend 750 on a cab, which would be more like five bucks because there's no traffic. Right. The $900. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, that's so insane is that if something happens to you and you get picked up by an ambulance, they're going to take you to the nearest hospital, Mm -hmm. but that hospital might not Not take your insurance, might not take your insurance. So then you're completely, completely fucked. Well, another thing to consider is like, I remember this when I was dealing with my dad being sick is that if you're coming in on your own type thing, like through a cab or whatever, you're not treated right away. You go through triage Independent, like unless you're like a gunshot wound or you have a heart attack, you're not going to get treated right away. Um, and that is why I called the ambulance on my dad once, beside the fact that I was having a really hard time like trying to get him to the hospital, um, but to convince him. But I knew that like if I if we went in with an ambulance, he'd get treated immediately. Um, so and that just also kind of sucks, and it shows the whole system of hospitals being a little strange uh like the system of like the hierarchy of who gets treated first and all that stuff and well yeah it's i mean it's it's crazy that we can be blindsided like this is not the time we need to be thinking oh how much is gonna cost me like oh yeah i know i know but you know but but with that too i remember i think it was fuck face uh palin yeah um, who was talking about the death panels and blah, blah, Ugh. blah, 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 you know. Um, but there's, there's a, if there's going to be a hierarchy in this country, which of course there is, like, yeah. of course there's going to be, because everything's, everything's always about the, the bottom line. Right. You know, nobody cares about, pardon me, nobody actually cares about the uh, welfare of the human being. Nobody yeah. actually cares about the individual life. And and it's really a shame that people do have to make the choice between paying their mortgage mm-hmm. and going to the hospital. Yeah. And the fact even, too, that, like, I remember even my, my insurance company calling me once being like, hey, it looks like your doctor ordered this scan. Um and you chose this hospital, which is fine, but we want to like offer you other places that are cheaper. And I'm like, okay, but shouldn't it just like not matter? Like, like, shouldn't it just all be standard? And 
like some places are just different. They operate different. And I, I was a little scared to go to places because I've read online like, oh, they have some like sometimes they mix up your results. And I'm like, that's traumatizing. I so I ended up going with the more expensive one just because I didn't want to get the anxiety of them messing up. Yeah. I wanted it to be just the same hospital where I was treated at. So, but it's like nuts that I have to even like, like I feel like this isn't like shopping on Amazon. I'm not buying boots. Yeah, like, no, and that speaks and that speaks, you know, to a bigger issue. You know, um, we are. <clears throat> pardon me. We are horrible when it comes to mental health in this country, mm-hmm. and that you know th- that leads me into wanting to ask you about what was your. Um, experience emotionally spiritually when you found out um that you did have the gene and then making the decision to take that action you know did you meditate on it for a while did you immediately know you know did it did it oh yeah I mean to be honest before I even knew I had the gene I was like I don't know what my results are but I want to fight my way to get a mastectomy anyway I mean, my grandmother had breast cancer. My great aunt had breast cancer. My mom had breast cancer. One in eight women, regardless of the gene, will get breast cancer, which is very high. And I knew so many women that didn't have the gene that had breast cancer. So I, ever since my parents died of, I'm saying cancer so many times. I'm sorry. Uh, The funny thing is I wrote a script about this. And then my manager was telling me, like, I want you to read it over. And you say cancer so many times. Just delete a few of them. Um, but it's not. So I was just like, it's, it was always in my head. And I was just like, I want to remove whatever level of anxiety. I'm never going to get rid of my anxiety a hundred percent because I can't, we don't know, <laughs> but I want to do whatever I can to reduce my risk. So I don't have the other weight on me. I have enough anxiety to yeah. carry. Um, so even if I didn't have the gene, I would have fought my way with insurance to get it done. Um, so I, I was pretty just like, I pretty much decided before I even knew when I read about it, I kind of decided. Um, so I was already kind of mentally prepared for that. And I was like, yep, let's do it. I had no hesitation. Um, a lot. I knew I went to, um, I joined a support group, of really interesting women called force, which is facing our risk against, um, ovarian and women's cancers and stuff like that. So it's women that have the gene, um, and they get together and, and men too, actually. And I met other women that had it and did the surgery and it looked great and they were all happy and no one regretted it. And I was like, yeah, it looks, looks good. I'm doing it. Um, so no hesitation there, but you know, I, I, I did feel I wasn't in therapy at the time because my dad died like a year before. And when my dad died, I didn't want to go to therapy because my money was super tight. And, um, and I kind of, I was sad and I knew why I was sad. I wasn't like depressed and like, I wonder why it's like, you know, um, so I was just kind of, you know, trying to, so I was still from, I was scared to go back into therapy. Um, so I kind of did the surgery without any really mental support. Um, mm. and I didn't have my parents yeah. either. So I had just really good friends step up and which, I'm so thankful for and I stayed at their house for like a few weeks and I had people visit me which was beyond awesome um I I really bounced back though maybe even quicker than I should have like um I was already like I was like hiking two weeks after which is unheard of uh but like I mean I wouldn't say like hiking like you know Runyon Canyon but like I was walking uphill in like Brentwood uh you know 
and this was like uh, in May or something, so it was kind of hot and stuff. So like I was already putting myself through. I was just like I wanted to bounce back immediately. Um, I remember I went to the mall and like so when you get the surgery, even after you have like a boob uh, job, you get like these like. Um, these drains to get out the extra flu- fluid for like two weeks. They're attached to you and they look like they're like little pouches of like Capri Sun. It's kind of gross. <laughs> and, you have to, and you have to empty them out. It's disgusting. Like in the beginning, it's very bloody, but then like throughout the weeks, it gets more grape juice-y. It's nasty. Um, and so I had these drains attached to me, two of them on each side. And in the beginning, I had four. And then they removed one of them. And then... Anyway, so I was walking around. I was at the mall walking around with these drains underneath my shirt, which looks so funny. It's like I had two colostomy bags on each side of me, which is, like, like just so funny to do. Yeah. And <laughs> just, I was like, I just want to be normal for, like, a second. And uh, so I really wanted the normalcy, and I really wanted to just um, just be my old self again. Um, so I can't. I kind of did that mentally, but I I think I jumped too soon. Like I did. I should have. I should have seen my therapist through it. I kind of was like, I'm good. I'm gonna be like a strong, independent woman, whatever. And um, I started to feel like afterwards. I started to feel more like it was very hard for me to start dating again. Like very hard. Um, like everyone I met disgusted me, mm. and I was like, well. I've had something very personal happen to my body. So if I'm going to let someone into my life like that, I really need to trust them. Like, and I just didn't meet anyone like that. And everyone just seemed so immature and not deserving of that, you know, that vulnerability that I was carrying. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that's, um, That it takes something like that to be able to come into oneself in that way of, because every single one of us is sacred, but I think especially for women, and I'm sure this is going to be a recurring theme on this show, but... If you are raised to believe that your body is not yours in one way or another, you know, go hug the aunt or uncle that you don't want to hug. Exactly. Because otherwise their feelings are going to be hurt. Right. And their feelings matter more than your comfortability. Yeah. Right. Then that expands in your life as you get older to the point where it's, um, it actually doesn't really matter how I feel like it matters, but not as much as how you feel. Yeah. I was just, my therapist was just telling me this the other day. She's like, okay, but how do you feel about this? Cause you keep talking about these other, this other person in your life. And it's like, have you put your, like, this sounds like this person's not really a good lover. Have you thought about maybe your wants and yeah. needs and everything? And I was like, yeah, I, I need to constantly remind myself. And women in general, I think, I'm not even sure if it's a women thing. I think a lot of people tend to put others, people, like, we want people to like us and acceptance. And, like, it, it's... Of course it's a woman thing. It, yeah, but I, I know guys that have this issue, too, so I don't want to, you know, pigeonhole it. No, for sure. But but it's, it, it is, though, something that women are raised to 
kind of to be nurturers and caretakers and put other people's needs sometimes before themselves, like put the oxygen mask on your kid and then put it on you. And that's not always the, like, that's not a good philosophy and that's not a good way to live your life. But you know, I will say this too. There's this incredible book that I love called The Women Who Run With the Wolves. Oh, I've read it. I think It's such a beautiful, beautiful book. And that idea of a tribe, Mm -hmm. you know, that idea of, women truly supporting other women and what that looks like. And I feel that there's become um, such a a dividedness, not only amongst women in general, but even within ourselves. And the idea that if I am strong and fierce and independent, that means that I cannot ask for help. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if I ask for help, it means that I am weak. Yeah. And it means that I am needy. And it means that I am giving up my power. You have to read my pilot that I wrote. Because it's all about this. It's about appearing, not letting people help you and not asking for, asking for help and trying to do everything on your own, thinking that if you don't, you'll show weakness. As if weakness also is something bad. Yeah, too. Like, and, is it really? Well, well, with that too, it's 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 getting to be. Well, what I've been finding, at least for myself, in like the last little bit, is that I can lean in mm-hmm. to others and be supported, mm-hmm. um, and still stay in my power. Of course, there's an interconnectedness, um, which I feel actually, I extremely betrayed by um by like the white women that like voted for you know dt like i feel like that's been like oh my gosh here's someone who i thought had my back and completely just you know turned around and was like pretending to hold my hand and then wasn't and and it's like where were those women that can just stand their own and help you like well, we yeah. need more of those. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing, you know, I I look at it this way. I have been talking about the horrors that are the white feminists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women of color <laughs> have been doing this for so long and then as soon as I like need to take a second to like really truly organize my thoughts because I get heated so quickly when this comes up in terms of betrayal you know it's that idea of when you are so clouded in your own privilege Mm -hmm. And you don't notice anything. And then all of a sudden you're affected. You're like, you're oh, like, I care about this now. Oh, wait, shit. Now this is personally affecting me. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, like my friends who are, who are women of color being like, now do you get it? Yeah. Now yeah. do you see we've been talking about this for how long? Yeah. And then it becomes. All of a sudden. The white feminists then are like. 
well, wait a second, because we got this. Um, ba 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 ba. Yeah, and yeah. that and that thing of it's very much a sorority girl mentality. I want to say it's so it's so fucked up, and it drives me so fucking insane. Like it really fucking does, and it it makes me so fucking angry. It it makes me so fucking angry and so I feel like like of course the women that supported Donald Trump like uh, to me that I'm not surprised in the least Mm -hmm. at all like at all Mm -hmm. of course of course they did of course they did but I feel like my role is not to wake people up mm-hmm. but to keep my arms open for the people that are just waking up mm-hmm. that are like what's going on and are willing to listen like are willing to listen are willing to be educated are willing to take responsibility for their inaction are willing to take responsibility for their ignorance and are willing to do better yeah like that's how change gets created you know, um, and if we focus, I think too much of like, oh, well, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. It's like, yeah, we can go mope about it, but like, it's not going to help. We need, we can't like whine about what we didn't do. We have to start doing, but, start mobilizing. but with that too, I think that there is something to be said about getting to take a moment to reflect. Oh yeah. Not absolutely. about, not about like what wasn't done. But why wasn't it done? Yeah. Where within, where within us were we resistant to listening to the experience of others um, that have been, you know, fighting this fight a, a hell of a lot longer? Yeah. And I think some of it is just from comfort. Like, it was, I wouldn't say we had, like... We didn't have like, oh, everything was just nirvana for the past couple of years. We had our problems, but it was fine. Like we, we would like this time a few years ago, we wouldn't be in this state. We didn't have protests every fucking week. Like, you know, we were comfortable. Things were comfortable. When you're comfortable, you're not as shaken up as easily. Like, that's why I think like I'm not comfortable these past couple months and that's why like little things jilt me like stupid relation stuff but i like you know stupid relationships i I didn't i probably would have like brushed off a few years ago been like eh, i don't really care about this are like hurting me now having a stupid cramp is like ugh. well i don't want to work out today like little things are really affecting us because we're out of our comfort zone because it's not comfortable things are not okay and it's making us um you know, it, it's making us more aware. And I think that's important. But but it's like, it kind of sucks, though, that it has to, we got to get so uncomfortable for us to start changing things. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I have this mug uh, that's a Neil Donald Walsh quote that says, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, I, I've always been comfortably uncomfortable i need that mug <laughs> i will what a great mug i, I will get that you needs that to mug. be like that needs to be like if i if i was a bumper sticker person 
which I'm not. I put that on my buffer. Yeah, I mean, because it's true. I mean, I I know for me. Everyone it applies to. Everyone. Yeah, but, and, and here's the thing that, the, the, what I'm picking up on in terms of what you're saying. I think that there's a difference between being comfortable and being complacent. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And being numb. Yeah, 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 You know, totally. so, so you even just talking about the that you were awake enough now mm-hmm. to even feel your body. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, oh, I actually feel this cramp or, oh, I'm actually, um, we're de-thawing. Yeah. Like things are becoming a little, like we're feeling things like we're getting our nerves back and, Maybe it's not even our nerves back. Maybe our nerves are just so much more sensitive now than they used to be. I don't think I was ever like everything is bliss in the world. I always kind of was, I mean, I don't know. I I think I grew up with the mentality that both my parents were not from this country. Um, Where were they from? My dad is from Belgium. My mom is from Israel. Israel has their own set of problems. Yeah. And, and believe me, I have quite an opinion about that too. And, uh, and both were very liberal, though, like 100%, and um, and raised me, I think, in a, in a bubble, though, that, like, I, 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 like, you know, I grew up thinking, like, oh, gay people are just, like, that's a thing. Like, I had friends that had two moms. That's a thing. I went to preschool with uh, these two women, and then, like, I remember being 13. I'm like, hey, mom, were Pat and Sylvia, like, a couple? She was like, yeah, they were married. <laughs> Like, I didn't, it was not weird to me. So my parents, like, taught me that, but they had their own struggles. They were, they were not used to this country. I remember telling my mom, Mom, I want Doritos for lunch. So she's like, okay. So she got me, like, pita chips. I'm like, no, I want Doritos. (laughs) Like, it's, like, not what I want. Uh, I always felt a little strange. I I grew up, um, we spoke a different language in the house. Uh, My great-grandparents, like, my grandparents, I only knew, I didn't know my mom's, but, and and my dad's, I only, I met them, my grandma died later, but, like, my grandfather died young, and his whole family, my dad's whole side of the family, he had no siblings, his sister was killed in the Holocaust, my dad's sister, whose middle name is my middle name, or her, her first name is my middle name, so, like, my parents were like, don't forget this shit, people are always gonna come after you. Like, people suffered so you can be comfortable, even though I never felt comfortable because mm. of that. Like, and um, they were very much being like, this is a problem. Um, and my mom especially, she came from, very interesting story. She she grew up in a hotel in Jerusalem, like a, like a, like an Airbnb, not Airbnb, like a The B&B. Jesus Inn. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, close. <laughs> they have like a, they have like a, like a, a building and they had like I think like twenty rooms, and it was like mom and pop run, mostly mom though. It was very feminist. Like my my um, her dad died when she was seventeen, so my grandmother basically ran it forever. And when someone was sick, like a, when a waiter was sick or like a, a maid couldn't come, my mom had to do it. My her uncles had to do like my uncles had to do it. Her brothers, so. And she would always meet people coming in from different countries all the time. Yeah. And she was always exposed to that. And I think she taught me that mentality too. Like always expose yourself to people different from you. 
you don't know what it's like. Life is a hotel. Like mm. people will come in from totally different areas of the world. And, and I remember being a kid and my mom letting people that she kind of knew, but not really just come over and sleep in our extra bedroom. And I was like, how do you know this person? She's like, Oh, it's my friends, friends, like nieces, like dog's sister. And I was <laughs> like, okay, that's, and this is like before, like Uber was a thing where we were like, sure, I'll get in a car with some guy that has a sticker on his car. Yeah. Well, like at the time I was like, what is going on? And even my dad was like a little strange by it, but my mom had this like open door kind of policy. Like, Hey, if we have room, please come and I'll feed you and I will make you a sandwich for the airport type thing. And Mm -hmm. like, she was like that. And my parents did not have a lot of money, but when they had money, they didn't let me like buy a ton of stuff. We would go places we went to Israel. We went to where my dad was from. We went to like Romania. We went to places that were different so I could be exposed to different cultures. And I think that's another thing. Like I think people in America have never left America mm-hmm. and they don't know how other people do it. They don't know that like, wow, solar panels really working for Finland right now. They don't know that like, oh crap, I'm so happy I'm not in India right now I could be an orphan like my my parents were very much like we're not from here so we're going to teach you that like and we know you were born here but like it's different in other places yeah and my my parents took me I went to Israel a lot um and uh my so (laughs) just to explain to people right like People assume that all Jews and Israelis like love Israel or not Israel, but like love the government in Israel right now. And yeah. right now the government in Israel is 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 the Republican Party. The GOP is right now in that party. There's two parties. like they have actually a lot of parties. It's part yeah. of the problem. Yeah. They have like so many like libertarian and green parties, and it's not like here where it's like two percent of the vote. Like they have huge percentages of the vote. Israel is actually super progressive, one of the safest places to go if you want to, if you're gay and you want to get married, and if you, uh, a lot of people go there to adopt um, kids. It, like, I remember before marriage was legal here, um, that you could go there. Like, it's crazy how progressive they are. They even have, like, you, in order to be a model, you have to be over a certain BMI. Yeah. They're very progressive on things. So, like, they have so many parties, and they're all, like, super liberal and progressive and there's so many of them that they're all split up so when there comes elections the people that are very gung-ho and super conservative and there's a ton of them just like here they all congregate to one side and they're like we're going to stand with this and the rest are like oh but i want this and that and like there's so many parties and like it's like so many selections and it's like i'm going to choose the flavor i want yeah and it's like no we have to stick with like vanilla yeah <laughs> because if we don't we're going to be fucked and that's exactly what's going on right now and for a period of time in israel like in the 90s when it was all when like we had clinton around it the, the like i want to say the democratic version of government was in power and then after i don't know if you guys remember itak rabin was shot yes. by another israeli like a crazy like donald trump type guy which is nuts not by like a palestinian yeah and by a right winger who was like i'm against these liberal policies yeah which i'm kind of i was scared of when obama was in power. like i was scared one of those crazies would come up and assassinate him um so when that happened everything fell apart and i think the democratic party there lost its backbone 
a little bit. And quite honestly, I feel like it's happening right now here a little bit. Like, I don't I think that's maybe why we lost. I don't know. I don't want to say, like, this is why we lost. This is why Trump won. I don't want to say that. But I feel like we got we to gotta build up that spine again. Well, it's, I mean, here's the thing. I think that it's people are waking up from the dream yeah. that the Democrats are the saviors. And they're not. I mean, I think uh, Kellyanne Conway, her brother, who worked uh, with Clinton, who worked with Bush, who then worked with Obama, um, is a crazy right-wing Christian nut job. I think they were... um, I don't know if he was part of, like, the government contractors or had something to do with um, they were... Him and a few others were uh, put on trial, essentially for torture Mm -hmm. um, in Iraq, and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's, so I feel like it's, uh, again, right? So, So for me, as a woman, as a lesbian, fighting for gay rights, fighting to be treated as an equal citizen yeah you which know? is like totally a common sense idea like but with that too right it's um <clears throat> well i'm happy as long as this candidate supports this mm-hmm. i'm satisfied because um that's my that's my lane right so i had my own um, you like your own, yeah. I had my blinders. own privileged blinders on yeah. where I wasn't, you had your issues. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and on one, and on one hand it's, you know, I get to stay in my lane, but with that too, you know, I was, I was incredibly ignorant and I was incredibly uninformed mm-hmm. about everything else that was going on because I feel that we are taught that, well, shit happens, you know, and not everything is going to be all sunshine and roses and ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba and people need to make tough decisions, right? And really in like the last little bit, like waking up to, it, it's not just about the states anymore. It's about the globe. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's a scary part. The The fact that like, I mean, we have a president that's hanging up on a prime minister from a huge country. But also with that, too, then, you know, you think of um, the drone strikes under Obama. You think of, you know, the countless women and children. Sure. Absolutely. That were slaughtered. You know, you think of there. There's so so much. And I know for me that it can... it can be very easy for me to get overwhelmed and fatalistic mm-hmm. and let me just kill myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like, cause it's like you could, it's like giving up. It's like, well, I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to dig my head in the sand. Yeah. And, and with that too, you know, um, I know that, that a, I can't save the world. But I know that I I can focus on my piece of of the tapestry, mm-hmm. you know, and and 
continue to utilize my voice and continue to stay open and continue to learn and just do the best that I can. And if anything, that alone should at least give you and whoever whoever else's life you touch yeah. that ounce of okay I get I don't I don't want to say comfort but like just not you're not alone yeah you're like, not alone you, you know I think I don't think what happened in November was good at all or beneficial and I don't like I see a ton of articles being like this is kind of a good thing like unified us I'm like yeah whatever like I don't like to read that shit I just don't um I think we were unified really before I don't think we needed a giant like you know this this shit show to happen to get us unified but we weren't but we weren't unified we weren't unified because you have the fucking Bernie bros. I know. And, but I don't versus think ever, like, that's the thing. I don't think I don't, if there's another election, I think we're, I think it's, it's still going to happen. They're livid and they think, and they think it like, I think because Trump won, they're like, Oh, it is your fault. You Clinton supporters. If Bernie was in there, it's this. And it's like, and I just, that's why I'm so scared for the democratic party and I'm not even saying Democratic Party for the opposing party, because I feel like it really has to be too. If you have th- like when you go to a, if you go to a restaurant and there's tons, uh, the the menu it looks like an encyclopedia, like the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. I guarantee you, nothing is going to be good. Nothing's yeah. going to taste good. If you go yeah. to In and Out, there's like five like options, like and three of them are a secret. So there's only really two options. They're going to be fantastic. Yeah, but and then, it's going to work out. Yeah, and then here though. You know, it's, you have the choice of goulash. I know, yeah. And then you have the choice of warm goulash. No, you basically have the, yeah, I mean. And it's, what is it, what is it going to be? Yeah. You know, um, and I mean, I I campaigned for Bernie, you know, I was like a sure. surrogate. I had a, you know. I had a, I had a Bernie Barbie shirt that went to Planned Parenthood. I totally like and with that and with that too though like i evolved on him as well you know because i listened to my friends who were women of color you know and i my my views expanded because again right if we're dealing with a country that has it's systematically racist Mm-hmm. And sexist, yeah. Which means that there's sexism within me. Of course, yeah. Like there's there there's sexism within all of us, right? There is um racism within all of us, even though it's like Avenue Q. Everyone's a little bit racist. Everyone's a little bit racist, but but here's the thing, right? It's Being willing to be called out on your shit yeah. for things um, that you say and being willing, again, to take responsibility. And now that I know better, I'm going to do better, right? And and I, I, I was just talking about this again, and it seems to be the, the, the thing that goes round and round and round and round and round. I 
I feel like for most women, particularly white women, when they get called out on something, particularly if it involves race mm-hmm. or um, tag along. She's, um, she's feeling very fired up yeah. by this. Um, th- th- there's that. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. And it literally is it, 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 this is what it is. It's, um, all of a sudden it doesn't become about the person that was offended. It becomes about, um, the person that's being called out, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, um, essentially taking someone's experience and holding it hostage and, and not learning anything and not evolving and not growing. It's, it's like an empty calorie. It's like not, fueling anything it's it's useless it, <sighs> it's not good and it's not helping and it could be hurting no it most definitely it, it i mean it's like it's probably making it worse and uh, of course it's fucking making it worse because you know it's like fuck like can't you just fucking hear can't you just listen can't you just not make it about you for one goddamn fucking second. I love it how, um, like on Twitter, of course, which is like why I sometimes like to say things on Twitter just because I want to see what the responses are going to be. I know it's a hot button issue and I want to see, I want to be exposed to the sexism and the racism and all that because I need to know what I'm dealing with. And I was, I think I tweeted something about women not getting paid as much. And they're like, no. Uh, they, well, if they, if they did that work, they could. And it, that's, and every, every person that's like said some sort of comeback has been a dude. Yeah. And the moment it's a girl, Mm -hmm. I'll fucking listen. Yeah. But it's not, it's always been a guy. Yeah. And it's like, you don't know, like that's, you can't, you've never been there. You've, you've never had to like. You, you were never sexually harassed at work. You were never felt, you never felt threatened to ask for a promotion. And you know what? And that's even besides the fucking point. Yeah, the, the, totally. It's, it's beside the fucking point. And then, you know, forget that. Like, forget like. Like, are they feeling like weakened by the fact that I'm being vocal? But, even, but that's the thing, right? Because here's, so, so here's where it gets interesting. Right, and I'm totally gonna fuck up the statistics. Please don't kill me, listeners. Don't this. Um, but I think it's like seventy nine cents for white women, and then I think it's something like sixty two cents or sixty eight cents for black women. It's even less for Hispanic women, Asian women. You know, it's. So, so, so here, so here, gender women. Um, and, but then herein lies the hierarchy, right? Right. So when you have the white women that are like, we make 79 cents on the dollar, ba, 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 ba. Yeah. Right. But that, I guess, but but they're, but, and, and yeah, that's not right. That is not right that you should make 79 cents. On the dollar. But you know what else is equally wrong, if not worse, 
the 68 cents because you are a woman of color or 52 cents or like whatever the fucking number is, you know? So the fact that it's, well, I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about this right now. And, and that's the privilege. That's the idea of, well, when I make a dollar, when I make, when I am paid equally to a white man, then I will deal with the women of color. And it's the same thing, you know, with the suffragette movement, Mm -hmm. you know, um, back even in the 18 fucking hundreds where, where, where it's like, okay, now, now hold on. First women, then we'll get to you guys. Um, yeah, we, we, we can't, we can't be getting involved with, uh, you know, the slavery debate here. It's like, it's like votes for women. What about a black woman? And eh, not so fast. Like <laughs> one step at it. Well, let's like, let's just first base. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and that's, and that's the thing. It's either all or it's none. Like yeah. that's really what it is. And I, and we're like negotiating when we shouldn't be negotiating. Like this is. And, and with that too, though, just getting to listen, like literally just shut the fuck up and listen. And that's part of the reason that, like, I wanted to have this podcast, you know, like, shut up and listen. That's the beauty of podcasts is that we don't have to be inundated from, like, other people's opinions. Yeah. Like, they can't interrupt us while we're talking about something. Yeah. They have to just listen. I mean, or, they can Or not. In, or not. Or just, you know, shut up and not listen. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's also, I mean, I think... If anything, now, I don't know, uh, after AT, whatever we're calling it. 45. I think what I'm noticing amongst white women, at least, maybe the white women I know. Granted, I live in L.A. where I don't know if the white women in L.A. are like the white women maybe in like, you know, Virginia or Idaho. But I feel like the white women, at least now, are starting... Like, they're listening, sure, maybe. But what I'm noticing, too, is that, like, they're, um, they're questioning more. They're, they're asking questions, which I think and they're curious. And I think that's almost as important as listening. Well, yeah. As being complacent and being like, yeah, I'm listening. I, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm listening. It's, uh, that's, one, that's one part of it. But part of it is also like, well, like, and uh, that's another thing I think – a lot of people, w- w- which would happen with Hillary Bernie thing, is like people weren't like, well, why this and why that, and you have to be curious, and curiosity breeds um, wisdom and an intelligence, and if we just listen all the time and are complacent with that, we're not gonna, we're not, we're gonna only see one side of it. We have to push buttons and we have to dig deep, and we have to. We have to ingest it all, but also like seep through it. Well, yeah, for sure. It's, um, and it's like, you know, um, I try to do this. If I talk to a woman of color, I do, I, you know, she tells me an experience and I'm like, well, what happened here? And like, why did this person say that? Like what, what instigated this? And I, I want to investigate and I want to be Nancy Drew a little bit and get to the root of it all. And I think, and then listening to that is important. It's all a chain. I think we just need it. And that's part of just being proactive 
too. It's it's more of like, I, I think it's also just uh, discovering where the weak links are. <laughs> and And also like the weak links within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's, you know... That's why I think journaling is very important too. Well, journaling, but also, you know, reading where it's, it is not on people of color to be my educators in this regard. Mm -hmm. There was somebody that had our responsibility. Yeah. It's our own fucking responsibility, um, to do the work. Yeah. You know, and we have to open our eyes and our ears and all that we got to we got to do that work and it's not up to them we don't like they don't have to fight for our rights right like this this should be like like you said it's not like the suffragette movement we're not gonna do that if anything we, we should have learned from that 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 was a mistake that we need to be like all or nothing you know i mean for fuck's sakes i mean i mean the gop is like this the gop is an all or nothing type of attitude granted it's a completely different slant but they've been totally all or nothing but and also forget the suffragettes i mean even in oh, the yeah, fucking like even in the fucking 60s and even the 70s Gloria Steinem. i th- i was really pissed at Gloria Steinem when she was campaigning with hillary because she said something about the bernie bros uh i don't know if you remember that and i was like really pissed and i'm like this is classic white feminist shit that I'm so tired of hearing. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it, it really, it, it, for me, it's, um, when I'm busy taking action, um, I am not bogged down with grief because I am using the energy effectively you know, yeah. and with that, like it, it, I was, um, having drinks with a few people the other night and there was someone there and, and the, um, like three white people and, and someone who was, um, a mixed person of color and, the the conversation turned to white privilege and this mm-hmm. one dude um this like one white dude was like well i don't understand like what is it about white, white privilege and he's like a straight white dude i've never met him before and i had a moment of hearing myself so clearly in my head being like okay now you have an opportunity to actually really, you know, walk the talk, you know, and actually engage and actually converse, you know, and I, I went on to, you know, share with him like what I had learned, you know, based on white privilege has become such a quote unquote dirty word, like synonymous with racist you know, but it's, I can't help the fact that I was born with lighter skin. For the same I reason can't, that someone, a person of color was born with whatever color they're See, skin. but with that too, I cannot, um, I am not at fault for the natural privilege it affords me that I can walk into a store and not be followed around or get 
pulled over by the cops Mm -hmm. and not fear that I'm going to die. Though I have had experiences with the cops. I had a, I had a a stalker who was a cop. Oh, that is the most horrible. That's like a horrible. It it was, it was. Sounds like a black mirror episode. Like it was horrifying. It was terrifying. And I was, um, in like my late teens, early twenties and I didn't know what to do. It was, it was really bad. And then luckily I got to go away for three months to do a movie and then he disappeared. Um, it's so that's another thing this whole like i feel so betrayed by cops and see that's a whole other issue but, but it's it's a whole other issue but i just you know again the white privilege thing yeah. but the white privilege thing and explaining like you don't have to worry yeah I about don't have to worry where you go over. and that's what i was saying to this guy like you don't have to worry you're not getting followed you know when you go into a store you're not worried that you might die if you get pulled over by the police, you know, like, um, and, and there are so many other instances of white privilege. So, so getting to explain that to him and let him know where it's so white privilege isn't necessarily a bad thing in and of itself because you can't help it. You can't help the fact that you are fucking white, but what you can do is, see what it affords you and then help to create the change because um well it's the only the white man is the one that can make like start taking the steps to bring and white women of course yeah but it's like you know um if it weren't for like the one i mean it's it's so sad that like uh like most movie and studio execs are men right and uh lately there's more there's been more women but like i'm sure a woman did not get that position without a white guy fighting for her which kind of sucks but it takes that white guy to fight for the woman to make some kind of change absolutely i completely completely agree with you um i completely agree with you in that regard I just know for me that it's, um, I don't have the luxury of waiting around yeah. for Someone other to people you. to do their work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because no one what, does really. Yeah, because what that says to me then is that I'm acquiescing my own power within myself of course, to yeah. create change. And that doesn't mean that, you know, particularly straight white men need to actually like Matt McGorry is a a beautiful example of what actually, you know, um, being an intersectional feminist looks like where he takes action. He shows up. He not only tweets about it, he is involved, you know, in community activism at the local level, he uses his platform to create change and not just to get brownie points, you know, there's, and there are all of these new people now, you know, after 45. I mean, Bernie was a good example of this, I think too. I mean, I mean, I think, I think Bernie was doing it forever and I think we only noticed like, (laughs) yeah, but uh, there's again, like, I I love some of what Bernie has stood for, 
you know, and I was blinded by that because there had been no other candidate that had come um, around like him in my lifetime. Right. Yeah. You know, but with that too. Oh, the no more. Perfect. Yeah. But yeah. the more that I started to do my work and the more I started to educate myself the less appealing he seemed where um, I was like, Hmm, this, this looks really shiny and great and glossy from far away. But when I get up close, it, it seems a little flimsy. I have a question. Do you think people had that same feeling um, from the Republican side about Trump? think they saw him as someone shiny and appealing and then now maybe well, they're well, starting to see the not so great side or maybe they maybe they still don't see it yet but i mean here's the thing a i i'm gonna treat him like voldemort please do and just he deserves what worse say than 45 um this country was was built on the on the fucking brutal genocide of an entire nations of people the brutal enslavement of another yeah you know that's what this country was built upon it was built upon the backs of countless countless individuals um and it was born out of racism, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, like white fucking privilege where we're going to get what we want and we're going to take it by any means necessary because we're entitled, mm-hmm. we're entitled to this. And there was no goodwill. There was nothing of that sort. No compassion, no th- consideration of other people. I mean, fuck it. Because with that too, you know, that, that goes to, for me, um, People use the Bible as um, a weapon and they use it as a shield to hide. um, They use it to to hide behind um, and justify their ignorance and their intolerance and their hatred and their bigotry. Mm -hmm. And, and so this whole entire country, then when you get to number 45, right? Um, The only positive thing, actually, no, I can't even, I can't even fucking say that. I can't even fucking say that. I really fucking can't. But I can tell you this. I really honestly can tell you this. This last year for me has been incredibly, incredibly eye-opening and life-changing in many, many different ways in the, in the micro level and a very, very personal sense. And then, then the macro, um, pardon me. And what I found is that We are so fucking powerful. We are really, truly powerful beyond measure. 
and and I do believe that this is like the darkness before the dawn and with that too you know I just got a tattoo back in October that says um to love is to die and I'm willing to die like I'm actually willing to die I don't want to die I've got a fuck ton of work to do Right. You know, but with that too, I'm willing to die. And I mean, willing to continually die in every single way, shape and form, you know, letting the old ideas die, letting the limited beliefs die, you know, and letting my actual physical self die if necessary, mm. you know, um, for all the talk of the revolution, you know, from Susan and Bernie and whoever else, you know, they just implemented um, those three executive orders that essentially are going like there's a possibility of national stop and frisk. We'll see if actually it becomes a reality by the time this podcast episode airs. You know, who knows? um, Every day I just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I know. You know, so... So that, like, essentially insulting a police officer now um, can become a hate crime. You know, just exercising your right to protest um, is going to become illegal. And you are going to get hit with a potential felony. It's absolutely starting. and, And so with that, it's, are you willing to get arrested Are you willing to put your life on the line? Are you actually willing to put your principles on the line um, for what you believe and that it's not Republican fucking Democrat anymore? It's morals. It's it's really this is why people continually make the analogy of the Holocaust. It's like, yeah. There was a regime and there was the laws. Yeah. And if it weren't for people that broke those laws. Yeah then my I wouldn't probably be alive. My grandparents wouldn't have been saved and my dad wouldn't have been born and I wouldn't have been alive. If it it took those people that sacrificed their lives that died for so someone else for like so because they knew what was right. Yeah. It took them you know it took six years for that to happen. Yeah, and also because like what is a life? You know, what what does it actually mean? To be alive and and that's all what you do with it. it yeah, it it is all and what you how do you with react it. to external bad stuff. Or and I wouldn't. I love I love language. I love looking up the origin of words. I'm such a geek. I'm such a nerd. Um, <clears throat> but to react, it means to act again. To act again from the same place. Like re is, means just to do something again. Mm-hmm. So I love to think of the word respond, mm-hmm. like how I respond. Yeah. You know? I remember I was at a wedding a few years ago and it was like raining really bad and it was just, it looked like the worst. It could have been like the worst wedding ever. And, um, and the, the guy that was marrying them was saying how, I think you guys are going to make it because usually like you guys were so chill and like no drama and when everything's good that's not that's not a measure 
of who we are and that's what yeah. I, but it's when the bad shit happens oh, yeah. and how we react to the bad shit yeah. that unveils who we really are yes and if you can deal with who you really are when bad shit happens then that's pretty strong yeah and yeah. now guess what bad shit's happening yeah in all directions yeah so we have to react accordingly and also just getting to see how like everything gets us ready for everything else right so like the past two years i lost my birth dad i lost my adoptive dad also to brain cancer um lost my dog of 13 years my cat um Gary Marshall, who Mike was a mentor and just yeah. a love. And then a friend of mine committed suicide, Ugh. you know? Um, and, and with that too, like just everything else. Um, yeah. Right. But, but what I found is that the deeper the grief, the deeper the love. Oh Yeah. And more importantly, it, it really it, it really made me look at who am I with nothing else than just me? You know, what external things do I use to um, keep myself from truly feeling? You know, and I feel that most people are so terrified of feeling pain and they never want to feel it again that, um, what I think people don't realize that it took me to lose both my parents to real and get like a very major surgery is that we can like, we have this thing in our body that like everyone I tell who's that my parents died and all this stuff. It's like, I couldn't, I don't know how you handled it at such a young age and all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how I did it either. Yeah. And quite frankly, I don't think I could do it again. Yeah. And I think there's a reason why we have like only a certain amount of like, you can't have like 30 parents. Cause I don't think I could handle it 30 times. Yeah. You know, I think, and, but I also think that we are given some sort of dopamine or something to like get us through that to power us through those really rough times. And we need to trust ourselves that that when we feel pain and bad stuff, we're going to survive it. It's going to like, yeah. And you can't experience one without experiencing the other. Exactly. And you know, and in, in the end, it's all really just about, I don't know. My dad used to say this to me. I thought it was so stupid. And I was like, this is dumb. Like this is a dumb quote you put on a mug, right? He used to tell me, um, it's going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Yep. You know, and I just kind of like, yeah, you know, pain now, relief at some point, you know. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think um, there is this book uh, about this, um, I think it's called um, Gaining. Mm. And it's about a woman who had an eating disorder and it's about all the stuff she gained when she recovered. Mm. And I thought it was so interesting. It's really a book about loss. Yeah. If you read between the lines. And it's just so interesting how losing so much made her gain so much. Yeah. And how the, what the gain meant and how she wanted. Yeah. The weight loss meant less of her, less of people seeing her, less of me taking up space in the world. Yes. Yes. And yes. And she, w- and she didn't want that at the time. And gaining meant 
oh, I deserve this space. Yes. And yes, I need to be here. It's such a great book, guys. Look it up. Uh, and and it really made me look different at loss and any kind of loss from just like stupid stuff. Like like I mean the the, the important stuff like family members and mentors and all that, but also trivial things like loss of a job mm-hmm. or loss of a you know even like dumb stuff that like I remember once I didn't save a really important thing I wrote and this is pre like you know auto editing and like saving and I was so upset but it fired me up to write something different that I think was better yeah and I gained from that yeah so it's all gaining from the loss and making yourself like when you lose you have more room all of a sudden to put stuff in that basket yes and yes like when my dad died, I thought it was terrible, but it was also a year of me really struggling with him and dealing with him being sick and every day wondering, is this the day he's going to go? And when he lo- when he died, I honestly felt, oh, I have room in my basket. Mm. I, have, I have room to gain other things. Yeah. And that is when I started to do comedy. Yeah. And it opened up. It gave me that room to gain. And I think that's really important. And I think this is really what you should take away from the loss of all the things like that we feel that, you know, 45 is taking away from us. It's like, okay, so he took this and this is what we're going to fill it with. Yeah, And, you know, this is what I'll say too. You know, it's life, death, life, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and scientifically, energy never dies. It merely changes form. Yeah. You know, and there's this great quote where you ask a theologian, what is God? God always was, God always is, God always will be. Then you ask scientists, what is energy? Energy always was, energy always is, energy always will be. Um, and I can't speak for anybody else's experience. I can really only stick to my own, right? The future is uncertain. And especially with what we have right now, it is terrifying. And with that, and I'm not saying this in a Pollyanna, you know, oh my God, like peace and love and like everything is going to be totally okay. All right. Like I'm saying this from my Hollywood Hills house. Everything's going to be okay. Pass me the kale smoothie. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying from a deep fucking place of knowing, just based on my personal experiences, especially this past year. It is going to be Okay. And with that, though, that doesn't equal complacency. You know, um, it's willing, it's, it's, it's again, like the, the willingness and doing the work. It's the reacting. The responding. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that because of the work that is being done now and will continually be done, it is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we are powerful as fuck. And I feel that one of the most important things is waking people up to their own power. Oh, absolutely. And that is actually something 
that my mastectomy gave me because it's all of a sudden like I felt oh my god I'm predisposed to this disease and yeah. all this stuff and it's like no all of a sudden you have the power yeah to take your future in your hands well it's the choice it's a choice right but it, that's the thing everything is a choice yeah it's our choice to resist yes it's our choice to do all these things and we are more powerful than we think we are even if we even if we just stay in bed with our phones there's things you can do yeah absolutely like, no matter how powerless you may feel and how small and insignificant you are everyone is so much like everyone and we have to um we have to remind ourselves we like so we need to put that like on a sticky note and put it on our wall every day yeah. that and, we are powerful and with that too I know that I have moments of forgetting. Of course. And we all do. It's very easy to forget. Yeah, but then with that, I get the gift of forgetting, so then I get the gift of remembering. True. You know? And again, like, you think of a word like remembering. Remembering. Remembering again. Like, becoming one again. And in those moments of forgetting, I have beautiful friends that remind me, Mm -hmm. you know, um, of the fucking electric power that is within me and in those moments that my friends forget I then get to remind them as well um I call those people the emergency contact yeah and and getting to lean in mm-hmm. and get support support others as well and, and also get and to accepting stand, support yes accepting receiving being able to re receive the bravest thing or one of the bravest things you can do is accept and receive help yeah that is very brave and accept and receive love yeah it it takes courage yeah it does um I'm like where's oprah we're dr Brene brown right now the good old bomber <laughs> years <laughs> um Okay, I know that you've got to get going. I, this I've, was good. This I've, was great. I've loved this conversation. Um, and just quickly, you know, um, when was the last time you were told to shut up and listen? And what did you do? Good question. I'm trying to think. Oh, I had, I was, um, about a year ago, I was really struggling with a script. I didn't write it yet. I was like, I wasn't even in like outline mode. And I, um, I befriended a writer who's very successful. I will not mention his name. And he was giving me some good advice on how to keep going. And and he's like, you know, whatever you're feeling, it's great. But I was like, no, but I was giving like excuses and stuff. He's like, just shut up and listen. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And, and I did. Yeah. And, uh, one year later, two of those scripts were written. So I did. Yeah. It worked. Amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, I, I love you. I adore you. Oh, I do too. I am so honored to have been on this podcast. It's, um, I hope, I hope it'll bring on some change. No, I, I so desperately need, I think that it will. Um, I hope that it will. And I'm so glad we've added to the tapestry. If, if yeah, same. Just beautiful, beautiful colors, beautiful reds colors. and blues and pinks and everything. Um, and yeah, and 
please come back anytime. Oh, of course. Anytime to your beautiful Hollywood Hills home. <laughs> the kale smoothies. It's yeah. so great, you guys. Yeah, There's it's so great. Many kale smoothies. Yeah. I don't live in the Hollywood Hills, just to be clear. <laughs> um, all right, guys. That's another episode. Shut up and listen. Tune back in soon. Ah. <laughs>